Just as a disclaimer, we want you to know that some of the movies that we will be reviewing were shot in a different time and era where people of race and sex were not treated equally. We understand this and hope you do too. The movies or anything that happened on the sets are not the views of this podcast or what this show is intended to be all about. Exactly. And we want to give due diligence in presenting the movie and not the views of the cast or directors or anyone involved. But we also feel it's necessary to let the audience know some of the background information to get a feel for what was happening at the time of shooting the film. Again, we hope you understand that we do not agree with everything that went on and we just want to give out the information. And with that being said, hope you enjoy the show. dimension beyond that which is known to man it is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity it is the middle ground between light and shadow between science and superstition and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge this is the dimension of imagination it is an area which we call the twilight zone All right, guys, welcome back to the Twilight Zone series, episode 11, and when the sky was opened. I'm your host, Jimbo, and once again, I'm joined by ADZ, Eric Cummings. Welcome back to the podcast, my friend. Thank you for having me back. It's good to be back and uh, cover a couple more of these Twilight Zone episodes. Oh, yeah, definitely. So uh, those of you that are new to our podcast, what we, we're doing right now is we're traveling through the Twilight Zone uh, season one. Uh, this is episode 11 of season one. Um, this is unlike our normal uh, episode that we do for the podcast. Um, we actually take a whole movie and cover it. These are usually shorter, um, maybe 15, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, somewhere in there, where a regular one is around 45 minutes to an hour. So, Eric, let's just go ahead and jump right into this. All right. Episode 11, and when the sky was opened, this episode aired on December 11th, 1959. And the director of this episode was Douglas Hayes, and the writers, uh, the first one as always, is Rod Serling, and Richard Matheson uh, was actually the second credited writer, and this is uh, this particular episode was actually based on a short story. And um, it, the stars uh, underneath are Rod Taylor, Tim Hutton, and Charles Aidman. And Jimbo's going to read off the, the full cast, and he's got some uh, notes regarding this uh, cast. So go ahead and take it away, Jimbo. Sure. So the uh, first one I would like to mention is Rod Taylor. He played Lieutenant Colonel Clegg Forbes. And some of the stuff that he was in that I thought was very interesting is he is Mitch Brenner from The Birds, Albert Hitchcock's The Birds. He's also plays the voice of Pongo from Disney's 101 Dalmatians cartoon. I thought that was really interesting. Hmm. Uh, Charles Aidman played Colonel Ed Harrington. Jim Hutton was Major William Gart. 
Maxine Cooper played Amy, and she was actually a bank teller in Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, which was a Betty Davis, uh, Joan, uh, uh, whatever her name is, Joan, I want to say Joan Rivers, but I don't think that's right. <laughs> uh, my dad will kill me. He's, he's going to know this. Uh, but yeah, we need to cover that one on the podcast sometimes. Uh, Sue Randall um, played uh, a nurse. Paul Breyer as the bartender. Joe Bassett as a medical officer. Gloria Paul as girl in bar. And Elizabeth Felding as the blonde nurse. So the synopsis of this episode is three astronauts return to Earth where it seems they have encountered something that tries to erase them and their aircraft from happening or history. So Eric, if you want to go ahead and take this away, we're going to go ahead and start walking through the movie or the episode. Yep. Um, so the, the first beginning scene is uh, the camera sort of pans down to something what looks like under a... Well, it's obviously kind of a spaceship, and they allude to that. And it's under like a spaceship cover, which is, uh, I wrote down a note that was interesting. Um, the the name for the spacecraft in the episode is called the X-20. And um, the U.S. Air Force in the nineteen late 1950s, early 60s, had a program with Boeing called the X-20 Dynastar. So they kind of stole that... Uh, that name, I think, from uh, the actual program from the U.S. military during that well, time. Yeah, yeah, but what year was that? Uh, the, the episode was 1959. I'm not exactly sure when the right, U.S. But, Air Force ran that program, but... Um, okay, I, I thought you said 1960. A, I was going to say this was beforehand. Yeah, you know yeah, this mean? was like in the uh, late 50s, early 60s, I think, like kind of paralleled when the episodes were released. I, I think okay. that's how they kind of got the idea. I thought that was an interesting note. And then one other thing that was interesting in the in the beginning in the narration, Rod Serling, uh, he says it's a thirty hour flight, nine hundred miles into space, and I thought that was a pretty slow moving spaceship if it only went nine hundred miles in thirty hours, and I, I thought that was kind of funny. Right, but you got to remember a lot of this. Uh, we haven't even landed on the moon by now. Right, right. And so a lot of the stuff that he's guessing about, you know, he's way ahead of his time, just coming up with these stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, we wouldn't uh, go to the moon for what another ten years, nineteen sixty nine summer. Or did, or did, or did we, we yeah. even go to the moon? That's a whole other <laughs> podcast. <laughs> right. So um, after you, uh, the narration scene, and then we come inside. Um, uh, looks like a veterans hospital, and we uh, meet. Um, we see Colonel Clegg Forbes inside the VA hospital, and he's speaking with a nurse uh, at the very beginning of the episode. And then he uh, proceeds to walk to a, a room. He uh, exchanges some words with the nurse, and he goes into room number 15, and the, and the camera really zooms in on number 15. And then uh, we go to a commercial break, and then we come back, and Clegg Forbes goes inside, and he is in the hospital room, and he... Uh, meets his um, uh, his um, I'm at a lost word here. His um, it's one of his one of his uh, one of his co-pilots. Yeah, his co-pilot. Aircraft. Thank you, thank you, Jimbo. One of his co-pilots, uh, who's all whose name is Bill Gart, and uh, Forbes is talking um, for for hours about their mission, and he begins to go and he talks about um, well, he, he talks about how they. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm off track here. Uh, he's in the hospital room, and they're they're going over uh, the things of the mission, what happened during the mission, um, and they're discussing uh, things like that. And uh, Clegg seems really nervous, 
and he says something's happened, and he's he's talking to uh, uh, Gart in his bed. Um, I'm sorry, I'm stumbling around here. Go ahead. And yeah, take right. it away. so so basically, um, you can tell Forbes is really you know he's he's off off kilter. Something's bothering him. And so he's telling, he's asking Guard, he's like, hey, what do you remember? He's like, do you remember anything? He's like, yeah. He's like, you know, we went up in the spaceship. He said, we came down. He's like, but who was all there? He's like, well, it was you and it was me, you know, basically. He's like, but who was on there? He said, it was just us. He's like, you know, so he went over to the newspaper and he grabs the newspaper and it only shows the two astronauts that were sent and came back. But... Uh, Forbes is like, no, there was three of us. He's like, there was Harrington. Harrington was with us. He's like, you've known him for 15, I've known him for 15 years. You've known him for six years. How could you read him? He's like, I don't know what to tell you. He said, there was only me and you in this space, uh, spacecraft on our mission. He's like, I swear, I don't even know anybody named Ed Harrington. So Forbes is actually like, I'm not going crazy. He's like, you got to remember. He's like, I'm going to tell you everything I remember about, about that day. He's like, so, and see if it jogs your memory, basically. So... Um, actually, the, Harrington was actually in the same room as this guy. He was actually in the same bed, uh, a bed in this room. Uh, but he, uh, as you can tell, no, nothing's there. Um, so now we're going to go back into like a, a flashback where all three of them are there. Right, right. Uh, I think it's just like the the day before, right? Yeah, I think they it all was went the day to see before. him, right? And then uh, Forbes is explaining. Uh, even he's talking about things that uh, he even said that Harrington said to. To Gart, and he was trying to jog Gart's memory, and and Gart obviously he just has no memory of anyone named Harrington, and uh, it's interesting. He says you we were the only two uh, on the spacecraft, and uh, that's kind of a theme running throughout the whole episode. Really, is like no one knows who Harrington is, and that's the whole point. Like he's been erased from time, I guess, and uh, no one seems to right. remember him. Right, but you got to remember when they show this flashback, and they're all in there goofing off with Gart. They show a newspaper, and it shows in the picture three spacemen return from Earth from this special mission. Right. So the picture has the three astronauts. It has Harrington, it has Gart, and it has Forbes, all of them there. So uh, they goof off for a little bit, and they end up going to a bar. Um, Harrington and Forbes go to a bar, you know, and, and, and you can tell something's wrong with Harrington. You know, he's just – they're getting drinks, and, you know um, – I think it's Forbes is talking to one of the girls there, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, hitting on her or whatever. And, and she's wanting to know, Hey, I know you, you were up in the space room. And Forbes is like, well, you know, uh, let me talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> so he just basically turns around. And he's like, Hey, you know, trying to get him some woman. Yeah. So, he plays uh, his astronaut card. Yeah. Very well. Right. right. <laughs> you know, but, Her- but Harrington, you know, he, he does that part where he sees himself, I think in the bar mirror and, uh, I don't even know if he sees himself in the bar mirror, but he just kind of like freezes. He goes to light a cigarette and he's just sitting there with the match lit. And he's like, uh, and the bartender's like, Hey, is something wrong. And he's like, you know, he's like, um, I'll tell you, you know, Forbes is making light of it. Like, Hey, I'll tell you after I taste the beer, but you can tell something is definitely wrong with Harrington at this point. He goes to drink, he raises glass for a toast and he just drops on the ground. And, uh, you want to take it away from here? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you can, he's, He's really distressed, Harrington. He he doesn't know what's going on. He can't really explain it. He just knows he doesn't feel right. And then they they exchange a few more words, and uh, and then uh, well, Harrington drops his beer on the ground uh, because he's he's you know so nervous and out of sorts. And so he decides after a point in time that he's going to go and call his his parents. So he goes into this ancient thing called a phone booth that we don't see. 
uh, those around anymore. And he goes and he, he uh, but, wants to call his parents. Am I missing hey, something? But real quick, when when he's sitting there and he's talking to uh, Harrington, I don't know if you caught this or not, or Forbes is, or Harrington's talking to Forbes, but he turns around and he's like, you know, and he's going, you know, I just don't feel like myself sometimes. I feel like I could just disappear. Right. And if you look behind him, there's like a flashing light above him. You know, kind of what you makes you think like a, like an alien abduction would look like. You know what I mean? I thought that was pretty cool play oh. on the... Uh, I think it's just like a neon sign outside. But the way, as he's talking, like I could just disappear and you see that flashing light. I'm like, man, this is this is pretty creepy. Oh, okay. I must, uh, so, I must have missed that completely. I didn't, I didn't yeah, even it's, notice it's that. It's pretty more. cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I've got it running in the background, and I just seen it pop up, so I thought that was a pretty interesting thing I'd like to throw out there. Yeah, so he, so uh, Harrington's playing a a call to what, his parents in Des Moines, Iowa, I think it is. Yeah, he goes into the phone booth and, and he he's making a call, and he just looks majorly distressed after this call, and he he tells uh, Forbes, my uh, my parents, I talked to my mom, I talked to my dad, they said they've never heard of anyone named Harrington and that I don't know how many times that name Harrington's used in the episode probably <laughs> it's mentioned 20 a lot. or 30 yeah and uh so his parents don't know who he is um obviously Gart doesn't know who he is his his uh you know his military um personnel they don't know who he is but his parents don't know who he is and again it's just running on that theme of like being erased uh from time and space and so they exchange right. a few words and then go ahead and take it away from there. Yeah, so so basically Harrington's having a breakdown in this phone booth. I mean, he's like, look, my parents don't know who I am. He's like, I just got a feeling that I shouldn't even be here, that none of us should be here, you know. And, and, and he's like, uh, it's as if I don't even exist anymore, basically, that I, that I can just disappear and nobody would even miss me. Yeah. Um, like, he shouldn't have come back to where he was, that he should have stayed out there. Like, they brought something back with them, or maybe they shouldn't have came back. Maybe something happened was supposed to happen up there, um, that they're, they're watching him or whatever. So mm-hmm. um, Forbes isn't too worried about it. He's like, man, maybe it's just a sick joke. Maybe it's just a gimmick. You know, they're pulling a gag on you. Uh, he's like, but you stay right here in this phone booth. He's like, uh, I'm going to go get you a good drink, you know, loosen you up a little bit. He's like, I'm telling you, just stay right here. So this is where it starts getting really interesting because Forbes goes over to the bar and he gets him a drink. And <laughs> here we go. He comes, he brings it back. And there it is. Harrington is no longer in the right. phone booth. Right. He just- uh, but he looks at He catches that newspaper and he looks at the newspaper. And now the newspaper says, oh, there's just two people. That landed back from this aircraft. Mm. And if you look at the window, the, that light's going on again. So Harrington, uh, or not Harrington, uh, Forbes turns around and he goes walking back to the booth and he looks in there and while long and behold, Harrington is now gone. It's like he has been erased. Right. And he's like, well, where is he? Did anybody see where he came? They're like, we don't know who you're talking about. You've been here alone all by yourself. So we'll go ahead and let you take it away right here, Eric. Um, so, you know, after that, that disappearance of of Harrington, uh, then we go to commercial break again, and then the next scene is in uh, what looks like a, a hotel room scene, or uh, maybe his uh, uh, Forbes is um, I don't know, maybe his like apartment or whatever, and he's trying to call his like um, officer uh, up the chain of command. I don't know if it's a colonel or whoever, or whoever's above him in his chain of command, and he gets a visitor, um, and the the visitor. What's his name? What's her name? Amy? I think uh, it was like a friend mm-hmm. of his. And he was supposed to pick her up at the bus stop. And she's really upset because he's. it's been hours. And she hasn't heard from him. She hasn't seen him. 
And Forbes is just, you know, he's completely distressed because of the whole Harrington situation. And he tries to explain to her, and he's really emotional, and he, he tries to kind of apologize to her, and he's like, and he he tells her that, you know, the whole situation about this uh, disappearing friend of his, and she doesn't know who Harrington is either. And she's like, I've never heard of right. him. And, and so and he's so, trying to convince her that, yes, you do know her, and right. and so on. And he's like, he's like I, even, I even sent you a telegram. Yep. And uh, he's like, I wrote it out. He's like, that's it. He's like, this is going to prove it. He's like... I told you, he's like, I wrote in the, I wrote Ed and I were getting out of the hospital at nine o'clock. So he's, he's like, yeah, yeah, it's right here. So he opens it up and it says right there, it's like, uh, it says that it, he opens up and says he was leaving the hospital at nine o'clock that morning. No mention of Ed. And she's like, look, she's like, I don't even know an Ed. She's like, look, we, he's like, look, we double dated and everything. She's like, I don't know what's happening to you. She's like, but I don't know any Ed. I've never have known an Ed. So this Harrington guy is just basically being erased from history as it's going, and everything that was uh, pertained to him is gone. So he finally gets the phone call back to his general, and um, yep. he's asking about asking about Harrington. He's like, I, you know, and this it's late at night or early morning. You can tell like the general's in bed. You know, what I mean, he's like, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, and he's like, he's talking about Ed Harrington, and he's like, you know, he starts on the phone, and you see his face. He starts to get mad. He's like, you know, Ed Harrington, sir, you know, Ed. And uh, he's like, we were in your wing for 20 months, you know. And he's like, sir. He's like, so you can tell by the phone call that the general does not remember Harrington either. Um, so it's like Harrington, like I said, has been, he's like, why doesn't anybody remember Harrington? You know, and he's tell he's at his breaking point. Right. He's screaming. So go ahead, Eric. He's screaming into the phone again, <laughs> Harrington, Harrington. He's, he's uh, screaming the phone and then he thinks uh he's screaming through the phone to the general and then he starts uh you know screaming this is he he's he's like ah i'm on to you i think this is a major practical joke i think this is one elaborate practical joke i'm on to you and he starts backing away he says this is one gigantic gag uh oh this is earth shaking blah 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 and then he and then he like jumps over what looks like a balcony he thinks that hey like he's Go ahead. Yeah, he's like, he's got to be at the bar. You guys, he hid at the bar until I got home, and you, all of you guys were in this big elaborate ho- right. uh, hoax. So he goes back to the thing. And if you notice the light, you see the light flashing, how it's like a like a strobe light or yeah, something yeah. outside yeah, see, as he's trying to get in. Now, yeah. I, I think that's pretty pretty cool play on uh, the lighting, uh, the way this episode is going. Yeah. So he, the bars, he goes to the bar. It's all boarded, or not boarded, it's closed. And all the chairs are up and everything. So he jumps through the window, you know, and he's still looking for Harrington. Um, can't find him anywhere. This is really interesting because where did he go? Nobody seems to know. And uh, so he's just basically coming. He's at his wits end pretty much. You know, he's just, I don't know what to do. He, he comes there. The bars all, like I said, the chairs, stools are all put up. The tables are all put up. Um, so he doesn't really know what's going on at this point. He's still looking for Harrington. He's, he remembers Harrington, but nobody else seems to know what happened to him or who he is. I uh, I heard something or read something else interesting about the uh, where he breaks through the glass of the of the bar like the the, the, the door that was actually changed and written uh, I think it was written in or it was changed by Rod Sterling uh, to make it more dramatic yeah, that a- he would break the glass and uh, bust in the the bar and yell and scream and all that stuff that was. That was interesting. Right. That, that's actually in, in one of my side notes at the end of the episode, but it's not in the script. But Douglas Hayes told Rod Taylor to jump through the bar window because he felt his character was in such a fever pitch it only made sense. 
Rod Serling saw the scene and liked it enough to approve the changes. So well, there you go. It makes it makes perfect sense because uh, <laughs> he was definitely at a fever pitch at this point. Um, then, right. So now go. now we're going back to where you come back to present day, where he's back and they're talking to Gart in the hospital. He's like, I was just standing there, you know. I guess he's like, I I don't know what happened to Amy. He's like, I don't know uh, what happened at the bar. He's like, uh, once again, Gart's like, look, he's like, Clegg, he's like, I don't know any Ed Harrington. He's like, I've never heard of him before. I've never seen him. Go ahead. Um, So one of the things that's interesting in their discussion that kind of gives you a clue to what the whole episode, uh, I think you alluded to it earlier, the whole episode is about is Forbes is telling Gart that maybe Harrington was right and someone or something made a mistake and they weren't supposed to make it through. And that they were, uh, and that when they were to figure it out, it will they will come for us. When the the people who weren't supposed to let us back through find out, they're going to come for us. And that's sort of gives you an insight into the whole episode of uh, aliens or whatever. They're coming to get them and right. erasing them from um, memory, I guess. Yeah. So now Forbes is having a thing. He's like, oh, he's like, maybe we shouldn't have gotten through, and that they're coming back to get us. And he's like, somebody up there. And he's like, Bill. He's like, this is a weird feeling. He's like, it's I can't explain it. He's like, but it's just weird uh, that uh, so so you can tell that he's starting to lose it. Like 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 he don't belong. So he's starting to talk like Harrington did at the bar. Right. He's like, just like I could basically, you know, he just don't belong. That he could disappear or whatever. And you know, he's looking at his face and everything and and he's going over to the mirror and he's just starting to realize that you know something's happening to him yep and i thought that was pretty cool that you know he's looking in the mirror so i don't you know he's he's i don't know if he's starting to disappear when he looks in the mirror i don't know what's happening so then he starts he he freaks out and he starts running down the hall and he's like click click the guy hops out of the hospital bed he looks out the window or at the door and he's yelling, somebody get him, somebody get him. Well, guess what? No, he, there's nobody running down the hall. Right, he <laughs> you know, he's has now disappeared too. Yeah. He's like, Colonel Forbes, you know, somebody, you got to get, get him help right away. She's like, who? So he's like, Colonel Forbes. She's like, I don't know a Colonel Forbes. You're the only one that's been in this room. So it's happening to him now what was happening to Forbes about Ed Harrington. Yeah. So you see he's right there and he points to the other bed. There's no other bed in the room. Right. Uh and he's like, he's like, oh no! So <laughs> he's finally figured out. Now he's the only uh, guard. Is the only one on the on the newspaper clipping. He's his picture is the only one. The other two uh, astronauts are completely erased, and he starts to freak out himself. Yeah, he does. And then it uh, fades so, out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so he's like, he's like, yeah. So so she's going to get Major Henderson. And she's like, uh, and then you see him. He's looking. It says, "Lone spaceman completes journey, lands in the desert." <laughs> it's a picture film, you know, by himself. So it's the same newspaper three different times. It's been three different ways. Uh, so uh, the nurse runs out to go get help. She's like, "Look, I don't know what's going on here." She's like, uh, "You need to come back and see this." So the next thing you see, you see, see, see him walking in there and uh, have we fixed, you know, this room up or whatever. She's like, "Yeah, yeah, room fifteen down there." She said, "It can hold three people. It's it's completely empty." So now it's like these three have never been here. So they see them. They walk down to room 15. They open the door. And lo and behold, nobody's in there. There's no newspaper. It's completely empty um, that they could probably fit. uh, They're going to put some malaria patients in there, I think. And uh, they said that they could put some beds. And they're probably up to three, which was probably the original three that were in there to begin with. So um, something else that uh, at the end of the episode, it shows the spacecraft that they show at the beginning, which was like under a sheet. 
or is, is in this like quarantine zone by barricades, it has now disappeared too. So it's like whatever mission they were on, uh, it's everything is completely gone from this mission. Everything, uh, the people, the spacecraft, it's like it's been erased from history. So a little bit about the uh, episode that I'll throw in some some stuff I found. Uh, we talked about the jumping through the window. Uh, Rod Sterling wrote the crash landing in the original script, but it was determined to be too expensive to film, and the script was modified to tell of the crash simply in the opening narration. Uh, Rod Sterling wrote the character Forbes was terrified throughout, but Douglas Hay suggested the sensation of being pulled from existence should be euphoric. Um, like you mentioned in the early writing credits, Richard Matheson's first credit on The Twilight Zone as the author of the short story the episode was based on. Uh, this is Jim Hutton's TV debut. Charles Aidman, which was uh, Colonel Ed Harrington, would later serve as the narrator of The Twilight Zone in 1985 during its first two seasons. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yep. Uh, Jim Hutton, who appeared in this episode, uh, like series creator Rod Sterling, a native of Bing- Binghampton, New York. Hutton is apparently the only other native of the city to appear in Sterling's city- series. Um, he also, Hutton also made an uncredited cameo in 1963 Sunday in New York starring Rod Taylor. Um, Jim Hutton was credited as James Hutton in the closing credits, which I thought was pretty funny. And regarding the relatively quick disappearance of Jim Hutton's guard at the end of the film, Rod Serling explained in a lecture that without his fellow astronauts to anchor him to this world, he had no way of holding on. It furthered the idea that Rod Taylor's Forbes denial kept him in the world longer, and having heard the story of Harrington's disappearance and seeing Forbes taken out, he had no way of denying the possibility. Hmm. So there you have it, Eric. What did you think of this episode? Did you have anything in there in your notes about... Um wasn't there a Star Trek episode that was based on this story, too? I don't know. I read something somewhere. It was about uh, Beverly Crusher. Basically kind of had, uh, from Star Trek, had a similar experience. I don't know. That would be something interesting maybe to, to look up and watch if you could find that episode and see how how much it paralleled this episode. Yeah, yeah. I'll put you on that task for next week. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do that. Um, I thought the episode. Yeah. I thought the episode. I'm doubtful there, Terrence. Um, I thought the episode was it was okay. It wasn't one of my favorites. wasn't top ten, but uh, yeah, it was okay. Just okay. Yeah, it was very interesting. Um, you know, especially at the end when he jumps out of the bed and he goes look down the hallway. The guy just read, left his room screaming, running down the hallway, and that nurse is like, "Hey, there's nobody here. We've never even heard of this guy." Um, but just, it just this episode just goes to prove once again, you know how how smart um, Rod Sterling really was. I mean, he was way ahead of his time. You know, talking about space. I mean, yeah, does he have some of the miles and all that mixed up hours and all that? You know, uh, like uh, a couple episodes ago, you know, the lonely or whatever, where he, that guy's on the asteroid nine million miles yeah. away or whatever. Uh, they can get there every three months or whatever. You know, resupply or whatever. But yeah, I, I enjoyed this one. It's it's it wasn't bad. Um, it's not in my top five or top ten, but it was definitely definitely Twilight Zone ish. Yep, for yeah, sure. It's good. Yeah. So, well, there you have it. I think uh, this episode of the Twilight Zone is coming to a close. Uh, be on the lookout for some future episodes with ADZ Eric Cummings. Eric, thanks for coming in and uh, stepping in one more time for us. Sure, no problem. Thanks again. <laughs> All right, I think this episode's coming to a close, and that's a wrap. And take it away, Eric. Cut. Cut.